Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest William Yateman. He's a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. We'll also visit with Phil Kirpin, the president of American Commitment. Uh, Matt Chionis is a real estate professional, and he and his wife, Megan, uh, with uh, Gulf Coast International Properties, are going to be talking about the best deals in southwest Florida. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of many books, he will be joining us as well. It is December the 29th, and on this day in 1890, in one of the final chapters of American Long Indian Wars, the U.S. Cavalry killed 146 Sioux as at Wounded Knee on Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. Throughout the 18, 1890, the U.S. government worried about the increasing influence at Pine Ridge of ghost dance spiritual movement, which taught the Native Indians had been defeated and confined to reservations because they had angered the gods by abandoning their traditional customs. Many Sioux believed that if they practiced the ghost dance and rejected the ways of the white man, the gods would create the world anew and destroy all non-believers, including non-Indians. White settlers uh, feared that Lakota's ghost dance presaged an armed uprising, but uh, U.S. troops carried out the bloodbath. On December the 15th, 1890, reservation police tried to arrest Sitting Bull, the famous Sioux leader, who had been mistakenly believed to be a ghost dancer at the Standing Rock Reservation and killed him in the process. On December 29th, the U.S. Army 7th Cavalry surrounded a band of ghost dancers under the Sioux uh, Chief Bigfoot near Wounded Knee Creek and demanded they surrender their weapons. As this was happening, a, fo- a fight broke out between an Indian and a U.S. soldier, and a shot was fired, although it's unclear from which side. A brutal massacre followed in which it is estimated almost 150 Native Americans, nearly half of them women and children, were killed. and The cavalry lost 25 men. The conflict at Wounded Knee was originally referred to as a battle, but in reality, it was a tragic and avoidable massacre. Surrounded by heavily armed troops, it's unlikely that Bigfoot's band would have intentionally started a fight. Some historians speculate that the world soldiers of the 7th Cavalry were deliberately taking revenge for the regiment's defeat at Little Bighorn in 1876. Whatever the motives, the massacre ended the ghost dance movement, and it was the last major confrontation in America's deadly war against the Plain Indians. Conflict came <clears throat> to Wounded Knee again in February 1973 when it was the site of a 71-day occupation of the activist group AIM, the American Indian Movement, and its supporters who were protesting the U.S. government's mistreatment of Native Americans. During the standoff, two Native Americans were killed, one federal marshal was seriously wounded, and numerous people were arrested. <clears throat> uh, questionable leadership back in the day against the American Indians. Well, U.S. stock markets are on pace to wrap up the year with double-digit gains. The S&P 500, which is hovering near its all-time high, closed up 25% for the year yesterday. Uh, The technology-heavy Nasdaq up 45% for the year and uh, the Dow up 14%, uh, setting a seventh uh, record high for the month uh, yesterday. The year's rally marks a reversal from 2022, if you don't remember, when all three indexes closed lower. Uh, S&P 500, for example, down almost 20%, ending the worst year for markets since 2008. Gains in 2023 have been partly due to the rise of artificial intelligence and big tech stock increases, primarily with a group known as the Magnificent Seven, Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, all these others. Uh, A softening economy marked by a cooling labor market and easing inflation paired with the next year's expected interest rate cuts also helped drive stock market gains. The annual inflation rate was at 3.1% in November, about a percentage point away from the Federal Reserve's annual target rate of 2%. So good news in the markets this year. Nice Christmas rally we're taking advantage of. Hopefully it will continue into the first of the year. 
Well, Senator Rick Scott, our senator here from Florida, joined the ranks of elected officials who've been swatted over the Christmas New Year's holiday with his Naples, Florida home being swatted Wednesday night. Most of the swatted over the past week have been Republican officials or conservative activists. Uh, Scott posted a statement on Thursday about the incident. Last night, he, he wrote, uh, while at dinner with my wife, cowards swatted my home in Naples. These criminals wasted the time and resources of our law enforcement in a sick attempt to terrorize my family. Ann and I want to thank the Naples police and the Collier County Sheriff's Office for all they do to keep us safe. According to a Naples Police Department, just at after 9 p.m., authorities were headed to the scene after a call came in saying the man shot his wife while sleeping three times uh, with an AR-15. According to uh, records of the 9-11 call, a caller identified himself as Jamal, said he shot his wife with an AR-15. Jamal claimed he shot his wife because she was sleeping with another man. Jamal then told authorities that he, he was holding Michael, his wife's boyfriend, hostage and demanding $10,000. Uh, apparently, it did. Uh, he said he had a pipe bomb. He was going to blow the place up if they didn't give him $10,000. Uh, but it, apparently, it was an artificial voice, computer-generated artificial voice, and the uh, Naples Police Department are, are going to continue the investigation. Anyhow, this is just so sick. It's happened to uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene several times. It's happened to uh, Bannon, Steve Bannon, now happening to our own governor here on the beautiful Paradise Coast. Uh, I hope that they can find this guy and do something about it. It's, it's just not right. <clears throat> Well, and of course, what uh, if you're not familiar with swatting, it's all about uh, calling in a false claim and putting a family in, at risk, uh, as this case did, uh, and uh, using resources in order to create havoc uh, for the, fam the targeted family. Well, the cardinal sin of the COVID response was the spread of total panic. This is the opposite of the longtime convention that the responsibility of public health system is a panic in a pandemic is to keep people calm and society functioning. The hysteria that generated was responsible for hundreds of thousands of non-COVID excess deaths, massive economic and social harms, and an unprecedented uh, education disaster. Now, just think about that. In other words, if the if the if the purpose of public health officials is to keep a uh, sense of calm and direction during a pan pandemic, they did exactly the opposite. Voucher's former boss, Francis Collin Collins, recently made a remarkably frank confession. As a guy living inside the Beltway, feeling a sense of crisis, trying to decide what to do in some situation room in the White House with people who had data that was incomplete, we weren't really thinking about what this would mean to a family in Minnesota or thousands of miles away or where the virus was hitting so hard. We weren't really considering the consequences in communities that were not New York City or some big city. The public health people, we were talked about this earlier, if you're a public health person and you're trying to make a decision, you have to be very narrow in your view of what is the right decision is. And that is something that will um, save a life. It doesn't matter what, what else happens. So you attach infinite value to stopping the disease and saving a life. You attach zero value to whether this actually totally disrupts people's lives, ruins the economy, and has many kids kept out of school in a way that they never quite recovered. This is the public health mindset. And I think a lot of us involved in trying to make these recommendations had that mindset. And uh, we were really unfortunate. It's, it's uh, another mistake that we made it, okay, he said. It's not really okay. I mean, uh, uh, it created havoc. And uh, certainly, uh, public health officials need to take a look at their practices. This is well, there's another fact that also remains forever unspoken by the lockdown artists and the panic and the economic chaos they caused. It was to, at all costs, to defeat Donald Trump, who was on his way to a landslide re-election in 2020. Think about that. The public health officials actually created more harm than good. Well, it's uh, been two weeks since libertarian economist Javier Malay became Argentina's president. On uh, Wednesday night, he launched his latest big bang of reforms. Among the 30 proposals he had were regulations preparing all state-owned companies for privatization, deregulation of satellite internet services such as Starlink, eliminate price controls on health care plans, allow foreign airlines to fly into and out of Argentina without restriction, and even fly domestic routes, and rent controls, repeal the laws limiting ownership of land by foreigners, scrap supply laws that allow the government to set minimum and maximum prices and profit margins, 
Some of Malaya's proposals can be done by executive orders. Others are going to need, he's going to have to have some pressure on Congress to enact. Uh, what isn't in doubt is his resolve to fundamentally alter Argentina's anti-growth policies, which he likened to this week to fascism. The problem isn't the chef, he said. It's the recipe. Boy, I love that one. He said, ideas that have failed in Argentina have failed all over the planet. Malaya also addressed the protesters who filled the streets after his announcement on TV. Some people suffer from Stockholm Syndrome, and he attached uh, to the model that is making them poor. He said uh, he should come over here and give a speech to San Francisco, Chicago, or even on Capitol Hill uh, to our, our lawmakers. I love his attitude. I wish him a lot of luck. The unions are resisting. Powerful unions are resisting his efforts, but uh, I hope he's successful in Argentina. Again, inflation at 150%, totally unmanageable. Well, Louisiana Governor, governor uh, John Bell Edwards pardoned, and he's outgoing governor now, pardoned 56 inmates as he left office, with 40 of them being convicted murderers. Of the murders on the list pardoned, 11 were the, in the greater New Orleans area. Several of the inmates convicted involved murder in the second degree as well as first degree. One in the first degree was a Keith Elman Messiah, who was demanded money from a Bernice Holman in a Popeye's parking lot <clears throat> during Mardi Gras. When Holman and her friends complied and gave Messiah uh, the money, he proceeded to shoot her in the face and fled the scene. He was recommended for the death penalty. Edwards told outlet NOLA.com this week, For as long as I can remember, Louisiana reflexively responded to an increase in crime by putting more people in prison and keeping them there longer. He told NOLA.com, We've never been, had, uh, been made safer as a result of that. There's no data to suggest that an increase in crime here was because of the reforms. In recent days, Edwards has repeatedly claimed, When I leave office, the state of Louisiana will be better than when I took office. I suspect the reverse is true. Probably Louisiana is a lot better after he left office, and uh, hopefully somebody and somebody will come in and uh, make sure that laws and are respected and enforced. Well, the New York Times sued Microsoft and OpenAI Monday for mass copyright infringement, estimating damages to be worth billions of dollars. The Times, the first major media company to file a lawsuit against Microsoft and OpenAI, accused them of using its articles to train artificial intelligence chatbots without permission. Large language, mo language models scrape information available uh, online to help AI platforms generate images or human-like text. The Times says at least 16 million unique records of content from its publications were used in a data set underpinning AI's, OpenAI's Chatbit-3. Uh, the uh, Times also said platforms could reduce traffic to its site and decrease revenue from advertising and subscriptions. Among the examples of its filling, the Times showed uh, both Chatbot and uh, Microsoft's browse with Bing reproduced nearly verbatim information from the Times and how Chatbot can uh, bypass its paywall when asked to do so. OpenAI now faces a similar lawsuit from novelists, including George R. R. Martin and John Grisham. This is so interesting right now because it's creating so much havoc. They can do the things that humans can do. And now there's uh, financial repercussions to the New York Times, and they're suing uh, Microsoft. So interesting. Stay tuned on that one. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, William Yateman, Senior Legal Fellow with the uh, Pacific Legal Foundation. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. And now serving dinner, 4 to 8 p.m. Wednesdays through Saturdays, a terrific menu. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harden show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Phil Kirpin. He is the president of American Commitment. Right now we have with us William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. William, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure, William. Tell us about the Pacific Legal Foundation. You bet. We're a nonprofit law firm, and we defend Americans for free from government overreach and abuse. And mainly to clarify and uh, make sure that the rule of law is consistent uh, and uh, just doing a great job. Uh, PacificLegal.org is the website, PacificLegal.org. First of all, Trump, apparently the, uh, uh, the, uh, one of the uh, elected officials in Maine said that Trump can't be on the ballot. To, to me, this just doesn't seem constitutional. What are your thoughts? Well, we spoke about it last Friday, and this would be the fallout from this Colorado Supreme Court decision, uh, which under the 14th Amendment, Section 3, purports to disqualify Trump from running um, in the presidential election. And and what you're referring to is Maine Secretary of State uh, Shanna Bellows, um, citing the Colorado Supreme Court decision, uh, this week exercised uh, her purported authority to take Trump off the ballot. And that's actually, under Maine law, the first step before courts, before Maine courts, um, then review her decision. Uh, so Trump will appeal it, but this is this is exactly what we were talking about last Friday, sort of um, uh, how, well, I'll put it this way. This is why even a liberal Harvard law professor, Lawrence Lessig, and uh, this gentleman is to the left of Lenin, um, he took to the pages of the New York Times just yesterday, uh, arguing forcefully uh, that the 14th Amendment in no way whatsoever um, uh, can be construed to, to ban Trump from the ballot, even though he, he agrees with the result. And that's because of this fallout, because we will have uh, these, frankly, these fairly low-level elected officials, um, partisan elected officials across the country exercising this authority, this, this newfound authority. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, it, it won't. It's a fool's errand to prognosticate what the Supreme Court will do, but there is a high likelihood the court will soon step in and, and uh, provide a uniform answer across the country that I imagine 
um, will 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 stop this practice. Let's hope. I understand there's another 10 states that are uh, uh, queuing up in order to want to do the same thing. And uh, uh, it, in the Supreme Court, do you think they'll hear the case and then wait until June to announce the results? What are your thoughts on that? Well, shoot, as I understand it, um, actually getting Trump, there are decisions that have to be in place months in advance of the primaries yeah. um, in order to put Trump on the ballot. So, no, no, I would expect a decision far sooner than that. Um, I would expect a decision, frankly, uh, I believe the deadline is March. I mean, you know, within the next month or perhaps even sooner. I mean, but pardon my ignorance here. I'm not exactly sure what it has to be made, but before the the, the the, the clock clicks. Uh, the the talk click uh, clock ticks to zero um, with respect to getting Trump actually on the ballot. Yeah. Um, whenever that deadline is, uh, the Supreme Court will render a determination. And, and here's to hoping it'll be nine zero. Wouldn't that be refreshing <laughs> for the yeah, rule of law? Abs- absolutely. Uh, let's let's uh, move to the January sixth trial and what's going on with Jack Smith. And uh, wh- what are your thoughts? Well, shoot, there's been a great deal of movement, um, you know, since we spoke last last Friday. Uh, I guess first and foremost, the Supreme Court, later in the day last Friday, they uh, rejected Jack Smith's effort to skip a step mm-hmm. in this, uh, what is known as an interlocutory appeal. And that's basically a, a threshold appeal um, of whether or not this case can even go to trial, can even get to the merits. Um, and, and I guess the, the exact legal question is, can a president who's performing official acts or arguably official acts, is he immune um, from prosecution under the law? Um, and again, that's an outstanding question in American law. Um, but the long and short of it is the Supreme Court rejected uh, Smith's attempt to expedite that appeal because, again, Smith's apparent uh, motivation here, his, his goal is to get this trial wrapped up um, well before the presidential election. Uh, uh, because the Supreme Court demurred, that, uh, inter, that uh, intermediate appeal will now be heard by the D.C. Circuit on January 9th. And in the meantime, the case against Trump, uh, Trump in the, the district court with Judge Chutkin is paused. Um, so that's sort of a procedural update. Uh, a more substantive update is that Jack Smith this week asked the court for a gag order in court, I mean, he, he, he asked uh, the judge to limit what Trump can discuss, what he can argue in his defense, and uh, it, it specifically asked to bar uh, the, the judge to bar Trump from bringing up, quote-unquote, partisan political attacks, um, which, again, is, is part and parcel of his entire, what I think is somewhat, you know, is, is legitimate defense here, that yeah. these, these unprecedented proceedings are indeed highly politicized. Um, but it, it's... But, but Jack know, Smith hates it when you say that. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, indeed, not anything but the P word. Um, but it, you know, just another un- again a gag order out of court, a gag order in court. We've got an unprecedented trial. We've got unprecedented charges. Um, so this all gets to this constitutional muck that I've been bemoaning Friday after Friday, and it, we're just getting deeper and deeper into the constitutional quandary with every passing week because again we've got this sitting administration prosecuting his political rival um in the midst of a re-election campaign yeah. and this is terra incognita uh, legally speaking constitutionally speaking and it's just it's it's not good all around in my humble opinion absolutely and then uh, jackson as i understand it uh, there's making accusations that uh, the Attorney General does not have the power and authority to appoint a private citizen, Jack Smith, uh, to, as special counsel. Uh, that has to be done, uh, nominated through the, uh, to the Senate and uh, uh, approved by the Senate before that can happen, is my understanding. Any thoughts on that? Shoot, this gets, I mean, these sorts of constitutional questions, novel constitutional questions, are inherent to this unprecedented novel um, uh, trial. So yes, what you're getting at is this uncertain constitutional status of these special counsels. Um, they didn't go through the normal constitutional appointments process that you spoke of, whereby the president nominates and the Senate confirms. Yeah. Um, and yet they're wielding this extraordinary independent power. Um, so this has been a, a sort of a long-running constitutional 
um, uh, uh, debate, if you will, in both in academic circles, but it's, there's never been a, a reason to realize the debate um, until this unprecedented prosecution. So this is one of many uh, interesting claims that are being brought by Trump's legal team against this entire prosecution. Um, and frankly, uh, the argument does have legs. I mean, I'm, again, I'm loath to, to, loath to prognosticate how the courts are going to come out one way or another, but yeah. this is a viable constitutional argument, this uncertain, uh, uh, sort of unaccountable, if, if you will. I mean, Biden, as we see, can claim, oh, th- this special counsel is independent. I mean, you know, even though it emanates from his administration as, pr- as prosecuting his political yeah. rival, he can claim this sort of plausible deniability. and. And that that incongruence kind of gets at the heart of this constitutional claim you're talking about. This yeah, William you make me again, the senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. I hope you check out the website PacificLegal.org. William, always appreciate your commentary here on the on the show, and thank you so much for joining us. And happy New Year! Uh, thank you so much for having me on, Bob, and, and please have a happy happy. New Year. Okay, thank you so much, William. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to be visiting with Phil Kirp, and he is the president of American Commitment. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratospel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. They get the politics and no policy. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in their elected offices. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Matt Chionis. He is a uh, partner with his wife, Megan, at uh, Gulf Coast International Properties. We're talking about some of the best deals in Southwest Florida. Yeah, a new declaration from the World Health Organization has revealed that it wants to, the masses to eat less meat and more plant-based foods in order to supposedly combat climate change. World Health Organization Director General Dr. Tedros uh, issued a grave warning on the matter, saying in a video address, our food systems are harming the health of people and the planet. Food systems contribute to over 30% of greenhouse gas emissions and account for almost one-third of the global burden of disease. Transforming food systems is therefore essential by shifting for uh, this for healthier, diversified, and more plant-based diets. Now, he might be right about that. Uh, first of all, this climate change thing, I, I believe... Uh, 
carbon dioxide feeds uh, plants it's, uh, for photosynthesis, creates oxygen for us to believe. I think the whole uh, green energy thing is a sham, but irrespective, uh, this guy is supposed to be uh, helping with health, and he's gaining more and more power, and I'm concerned that this Biden administration wants to concede power uh, to the United States for his decisions about world health. Uh, we need to not only not pay attention, we need to uh, cancel our membership into the World Health Organization because uh, it's creating no good. It's basically, I think a, he's a Marxist, and I think the whole organization is Marxist, and uh, <clears throat> we should exit the World Health Organization, in my opinion. Well, since January 2022, Francis Menton has proposed on his Manhattan Contrarian blog an interesting idea regarding the concept of transitioning the electric grid to run entirely without fossil fuels. It might be a good idea if the nations across the world are committing so much money on this transition. It might be a good idea to demonstrate with a pilot project somewhere on Earth that it will actually work. Makes sense. The International Energy Agency, a Paris-based autonomous intergovernmental organization, estimates the global spending on clean energy transition away from fossil fuels to be at $1.2 trillion since the start of the pandemic and growing $1.2 trillion. That doesn't include investments prior to 2020. Menton is a free market proponent who has a career in law spanning more than 40 years, including 31 years as a partner at the law firm of Wilkie, Farr and Gallagher. Before embarking on net zero for a billion people, how about trying it out in a place with, say, 10, 50, or 100,000 folks? See if it can actually work and how much it'll cost, Menton wrote. In other words, he explained that take a small city or, uh, and empower its electricity grid entirely on wind solar energy storage for a full year without any kind of baseload backup for fossil fuels. I've been banging the drum on this for a long time. It's incredible to me that people think that you're going to convert the world to an entirely new energy system, and nobody has ever done a demonstration project to show how it can be done. So we're going to use 8 billion people as a guinea pig, Menton told Just the News. The closest Menton could find in such a project is the island of El Hierro, nestled in the Canary Islands off the west coast of Africa, El Hierro. Uh, embarked on a quest to become powered 100% by wind and pumped storage. Pump storage is a form of hydroelectric power that uses elevation to store water. It consists of two reservoirs, one placed considerably higher than the other. During periods of surplus energy production, when more electricity is produced than being consumed, the uh, extra power is used to store pumps uh, to lift water from the lower reservoir to the higher one. When the energy is needed, the water is drained into the lower pool, and the flow of water turns generators, just like a hydroelectric dam. El Hierro never set out to demonstrate the rest of the globe could transition entirely to a uh, grid powered by renewable energy, but it did promote itself as a 100% renewable island. It has a population of approximately 11,000 people, and it provides information about its electricity generation sources on its website. The island's data makes uh, it useful for uh, looking at how such a project as Menton proposed would go. <clears throat> There's about 8,760 hours in a year, uh, an extra uh, 24 hours in leap year. In 2020, a leap year, the island was powered 100% with wind and pump storage for 1,293 hours out of the year. That comes out to a mere 14.7% of the island's energy needs. In 2021, it managed to hit uh, about 11.5% of the energy needs. Uh, for other hours of the year, the island's electricity supply was generated in part by diesel-powered generators. Euronews came uh, recently reported that the island managed to go 28 consecutive days using only wind and water power, but it provided no data on the dates and times of this achievement. The most recent data on the website uh, stops at 2022 and is only provides monthly figures. Menton pointed out that El Hero's total 100% renewable hours dropped in 2022. This could be a number of reasons for that, including uh, drought. Menton said it is also possible because wind turbines and elect hydroelectric systems degrade over time and produce less power that it might be responsible for reducing the total power generated by those systems. So uh, you know, when you come down to it, uh, contradicting the WEF and Times endorsements, a, a group of consultants in the energy sector uh, uh, published a Substack newsletter, Doomsburg, 
and the analysis of the country's energy mix and noted that nearly 20% of its power comes from fossil fuels. Uruguay gets about 37% of its electricity from hydroelectric dams, but that's because they got waterfalls and you know things in nature that facilitate that. In the West, hydroelectric power also face stiff opposition from environmentalists, making them difficult permit and finance. The Biden administration is currently considering moving four dams on the Snake River uh, that, uh, due to their impact to salmon populations. So as you can see here, <clears throat> even if, the, if we're successful in a 100% renewable energy demonstration project, it looks to be about 15% is the maximum that can be produced over the course of a year. So by the uh, alternative energy projects without uh, carbon dioxide or uh, fossil-based fuels. That's just not going to get the job done. I think this is a proof positive. Metin's proven that uh, we can't possibly pursue this uh, strategy, this mission that we have to go uh, completely based on alternative energies. We have to have carbon-based fuels or it's going to destroy society. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Matt uh, Chionis, he is a real estate professional with his wife, Megan, at uh, Gulf Coast uh, International Properties. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences and opening a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples here in 2024. It's going to be very exciting. You can find out more and get tickets to some great performances coming up. Visit the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Matt Chionis. Uh, he and his wife are a dynamic team in real estate here on the Paradise Coast at Gulf Coast International Properties. Mac, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, Bob, absolutely. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, indeed. So, uh, Matt, tell us a little bit about your practice at Gulf Coast International Properties. Yes, yeah, so what Megan and I do within Gulf Coast is we have our own concierge firm, uh, exactly how we do things. 
we when we work with buyers and sellers, we give them concierge services that are complimentary post-closing. So when a buyer or seller works with us, they receive complimentary home watch, uh, complimentary property management, discounts from our vendors. Uh, Megan and I are also real estate developers, and so we can provide a renovation concierge complimentary to them to make it easier to renovate or update a property. Uh, we also work with many investors, so we, we feel that buyers on the Paradise Coast, they deserve that next level of service, and that's what we provide. Outstanding, Matt. So, uh, first of all, we've seen uh, some uh, at least announced uh, property increases, uh, pretty good, pretty nice increases in spite of the fact that interest rates are up and it's harder to get a mortgage and so forth. I wonder if you could comment, how's it looking on the Paradise Coast? Absolutely. You know, it's always important to look at things at a macro level. And then we also, real estate is very market specific. And we're, Bob, we're even seeing it more and more within Naples, given the, the, the incredible growth geographically, where now things that are 50 to 60 minutes from the beach are part of Naples data. Yeah. And so we, we feel things are heating up here for season. Our preseason data, which has been the last few months, is always the the strongest forecasting for what full season will look like and so it's going to be very active but still very favorable for sellers so naples has so many sub markets and ultimately the closer to the water is still performing very well and further from the water is very stable which is what we like to see so pelican bay specifically um you know, that being our wheelhouse and Pelican Bay being one of the most special, Pelican Bay and Bay Colony being the most special lifestyles in Naples, in our opinion. You know, the median price for Pelican Bay was up like 4% month over month. Huh. Um, the number of pending sales in Pelican Bay is up month over month. Days on market are up month over month. But compared to August, days on market are actually down almost, actually 50%. So right now we're looking at about 30 days on market. Uh, in a normal market, this time of year, days on market should be almost 100 days on market. So I always tell people to have perspective, and our market is still economics 101. It is still supply and demand. Supply is absolutely up. Uh, it's up about 30%. Good. But overall, inventory is still down 50% when compared to pre-COVID levels. So interesting. Thank you for that, Matt. So uh, any, can you give us any, what are the best deals in Southwest Florida right now? Yeah, absolutely. I get this question quite a bit, especially recently. While there's not many, quote, deals that come to market, um, there's definitely strategies to identify the best value. Mm. So there's a couple, there's three property types that sell disproportionately lower than the comps, uh, which again, that to me is the definition of a great value. So number one is a property that needs updating. And I'm not talking about a full gut renovation, take it down to the studs. I'm talking about something that needs new floors. And you say, well, gosh, it installing new floors and seems like a lot of work. Well, a 3000 square foot home to install brand new floors should take about a week. Mm -hmm. That's it. Uh, things like painting, resurfacing cabinets, popping off and installing new countertops should take just a couple of days. So, you know, Bob, a property that needs some cosmetic updates are incredibly lower priced when compared to their comparables. Number two is single family homes that do not have a pool. The no pool home is my go-to strategy for helping people find a great value for property because installing a pool is non-intrusive to your lifestyle for the most part they're not coming into the house they're only there for a few days a week that's it they work, the crews work in assembly lines and so number two is finding a home that does not have a pool most areas a home without a pool is about 10 to 15 percent lower than the comparable hmm. and finally unfurnished properties pre-covid it was actually a, to the property's detriment to have furnishing. Now we, you know, we entered the COVID area where we couldn't get a spoon for crying out loud uh, because of everything. So then it became kind of normal. People said, "Just give me any furniture. I'll just take it. I just need a place to sit." Now it just kind of became the new norm. Bob, where furnishing, as long as they're in good condition, they could be dated. But if they're in good condition, people say, "Okay, I can get into the space." 
I have a place to, to sleep and sit and relax. And then let me see how I would want to furnish the place at my pace instead of needing to rush out and just buy whatever I can get my hands on. So those are the three best values when we're working with investors or buyers looking for the best value. Those are the things we seek out. That is so interesting. That thank you for that. And do it. Uh, are there still supply line issues with regard to furniture and uh, appliances and that type of thing? Down here, we are still seeing some delays. It does take a little while to get some furniture. Um, things that are in stock, we have seen that increase drastically, especially the Pottery Barn, uh, Crate and Barrel, Our House. Uh, Clive Daniel has done a fantastic job of keeping uh, solid supply. But well, things aren't coming in two to three days you know, like we had years and years ago. It, it might take three, four, maybe a month to get certain items. That's so interesting. That kind of makes that that helps define why people are eager to get something that's furnished as opposed to unfurnished. That's that is a different uh, a different take on the market. So, uh, what are what are the hottest markets right now? The closer to the water, the better. Location, 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 and so definitely Pelican Bay has been performing very very strongly. Uh, areas like Park Shore, the Mooring, data is still pretty because of what happened, of course, with Hurricane Ian. What's interesting, though, Bob, is there have been five developments in those neighborhoods that had entire condominium associations that had been bought out by developers and are being knocked down and being rebuilt into ultra-luxury condominiums. So um, we're seeing a lot of homes that are being rebuilt into these ultra-luxury homes. So we really think Hurricane Ian, as devastating, of course, as it was, we're calling it the, the Great Reset. You know, it's the, it was the Great Catalyst, we're also calling it, where we're seeing these condominiums, these buildings that were from the 70s and 60s, they're being knocked down, and we're seeing the next wave of development happening. So we anticipate prices increasing because of that. That is so interesting. And you know, I think about write, writing down Gulf Shore near where the... the uh, uh, Beach Hotel used to to be, and now it's being rebuilt. But uh, all those properties are uh, some, many of them being demolished. Uh, are they going to be able to build something at a profit, that, considering that there are restrictions on heights and so forth? Yes, the developers are very good on their due diligence ahead of time. They have the best architects. Um, do they buffer in their pricing a little bit with the cost fluctuations? Absolutely. Um, and developers do increase prices as they go. That's why for investors, we tell them investing 101 or investing for dummies, we, we say just invest in pre-construction. You can get in early on a new development. Developers are doing whatever they can to get rid of their inventory to get the ball rolling. Mm -hmm. um, so they sell things at such a discount. But no, if they can, developers, again, myself being a developer, my wife being a developer, we, we know we can sell profits. Uh, Matt and Megan Chionis, again, the uh, dynamic team at Gulf Coast International Properties. I hope you give them a call. 269-5310 is the phone number. 239-269-5310. Again, Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Matt, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely, Bob. Thanks for everything you do. Have a great rest of the day. You as well. Thank you, Matt. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Larry Bell, he is an endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's also the author of many books. His latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. And he writes a column for Newsmax.com. It's called On Point. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, it's always a great pleasure. Thank you, Larry. And uh, you wrote a column uh, at uh, On Point in Newsmax.com. It's called 10 Reasons to Seriously Worry About Biden-China policies. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, as if we don't have enough to worry about, I guess, we're going to a new year uh, with the Biden administration. Uh, mostly that they'll continue, but uh, China has been one of the, of course, one of the main issues. And uh, it, it's an issue that has a backstaging of a lot of Biden family business stuff as well which makes suspicious folks like myself wonder if some of this, uh, some of the policies are influenced by extortion, coercion, other than just idiocy and stupidity. But but, uh, in this article, I just kind of summarize some, but not all the reasons that we should be worried about Biden's uh, China policies. And, I guess one of the trigger issues that caused me to write the column was a recent, very quiet kind of release of of uh, information that when when Biden met face to face with Xi in San Francisco, apparently President Xi from China told Biden that he plans to take over Taiwan. Uh, Taiwan. Yeah, and that wasn't. Uh, that wasn't mentioned uh, really publicly in the press, whatever. But it should have been, you know, if we had an honest media, it would have been. Yeah. And and then we, we also look, I think, at this in terms of what's happening elsewhere. And we think of not so much China, but Iran and the Houthi, Houthis in, in, in the... Uh, uh, Red Red uh, Red Sea area where the attacks on shipping and so on, and I you know so in so many of these arenas, it seems like the media and the Biden administration are trying to tap down all these reports of really international chaos that's going on yeah. until after the election. <clears throat> You know, yeah, uh, Professor, uh, uh, to me, uh, and I know that uh, that uh, Xi said, look, I'm, we're going to take over Taiwan. I hope we can do it peacefully. What's conspicuously absent is what Biden's response may have been. <laughs> I would really like to know what he said to that, you know, like over my dead body or, yeah, go ahead, <laughs> do whatever you want to do. I wonder how he responded. You can't help but wonder if it had been Trump, you know, and mm-hmm. you, you would have thought it would have been a, resounding response to that. Uh, but, you know, the, uh, you know, the weakness of the administration and, and, uh, you know, Anthony Blinken now in Mexico trying to 
trying to get a photo up to show they're doing something with the border and so on. But but in this and going back to this article, I just I just kind of summarized very briefly summarized mm-hmm. uh, a lot of these issues in terms of you know China's really been active in terms of coalition building with a lot of our adversaries and 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 part of that has been to also really re- replace our 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 currency US dollar as the world's reserve currency which which would be very very significant and then all the strategic spying that we hear you know there was a there's the you know, the so-called weather balloon that went across the you know US for two weeks before it was shot down and of course it was not a weather balloon it was far more than that and and they're eavesdropping facilities in, in Cuba that they're establishing and then we look at the international intellectual property theft yeah. which is, in, includes uh, you know Biden administration proposed a change to patent policy that that seems to very much favor Beijing and then we look at the supply chain and issues with with that and that moves us into the the rare earth materials and electric vehicles and and so on as you know on the basis of a climate emergency when at the time that China's building a couple equivalent of a couple coal fire plants every week you know and then we look at the border issue and 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 including I guess 25,000 Chinese, uh, mostly male military age guys who have crossed the border in the past year. So, mm. you know, it's on and on and on. And it's, uh, it's, it's not a pretty picture and it's, it's and it's not comical. It's, 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 uh, it's very serious. You look at China and then you look at the debacle, of course, Afghanistan and increasingly getting bogged down in Ukraine and and so on. I don't think people really pay much attention to the global issues, but they they do impact us. Sure. Well, you think about the uh, response that uh, when Trump uh, had problems with the border and he was building the wall, he basically made a phone call to the Mexican president said, look, uh, this, is, we, this is what we need from you. The next day, he started assembling the 80,000 troops at the border in order to make that happen. Now we're sending Blinken, two, two people down to, uh, down to uh, the me- president of Mexico to share and, and talk about uh, helping with the uh, border. I wonder if they'll make any progress. I know there's, what I'm trying to draw is draw a contrast between how Trump would handle it and what Biden did. Well, the numbers are staggering, and when you you, know, you hear a comparison, the number of people that cross the border is equivalent to the populations of like seventeen states. Yeah, I guess combined, uh, but enormous numbers. We have, you know, more than ten thousand, twelve thousand, fourteen thousand people coming across in just like a day, you know, and and we and we see the optics of the. It's just an enormous uh, uh, caravans coming in, and, and there's no there's no uh, appearance that it's going to end. But I think of you know the impact. You think of thinking how many people when you think of the of the cost of of supporting the, these people who don't have jobs and so on, adding to the welfare rolls. How many how many working people does it take to support one person on welfare? Right. You know, you look at average average paychecks, and I don't know. Is it does it take ten people to support one in terms of of where their taxes go? I, I don't know the number, but it would seem large. And then you you take that in terms of millions that you add to you know, in, in addition to the people we already have that are homeless and. And many of them are, are, the prognosis doesn't look good because they're Mm. drug addicted and they're not the kind of, they don't have the kind of motivation that suggests they'll ever get off drugs. Uh, So, but you look at this in terms of 
how many people does it take to support all of these uh, people who are burdensome on our system, and then we have the un, you know, unaccounted for pension plans and Social Security and everything else. I just, I just uh, very concerned and fearful and distraught about what it means to our children who are going to inherit this debt. Absolutely. Professor, you know, I just want to refer our listeners to Newsmax.com. Check out the website and visit uh, Larry Bell's column, which is on point, and uh, take a look at these 10. It, it is alarming, and uh, it's distressing to see the harm that these policies are doing to the United States right now under the Biden administration. Professor, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, in spite of it all, Happy New Year to you and all your listeners. I think we Hopefully things are going to turn around. I hope so. Thank you, Professor. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you'll join us on Monday. We've got some great guests lined up. Uh, I always appreciate your listening to the show, so thank you much for so much for your patronage. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.